Go ahead and open to the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 1, um, and we're going to be in uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. Um, originally, I had thought, oh, we could do all of chapter 1 in like one week, uh, but uh, the longer I've studied it, I'm like, oh, you know what, this, we're going to be in chapter 1 at least like three weeks to a month, so here we are, week number 2. Um, and so, um, so we're going to be reading verses, uh, verses, uh, 12 through 26. So this is Philippians chapter one, verses 12 through 26. And this is what God's word says. And I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has, has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here, that is, in prison, for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh, or that is to remain in this world, is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would write your eternal truths that are found in this word on our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you guys think about your favorite hobby or your favorite pastime, whether that's uh, reading a good book or playing soccer or whatever it is, uh, you don't have to have somebody uh, twist your arm to do that thing right? Like, uh, my wife can attest to this. I don't have to, she doesn't have to twist my arm for me to go out and buy a good theology book. <laughs> I, I'll just do it. In fact, she usually has to try and twist my arm to not go buy a, a good theology book because I already have several that are sitting in my office that I haven't touched, right? Uh, so, 
the, the point of sharing that is this, is that when you delight in something, when you find joy in something, it's something that you, uh, that you just automatically do. You don't have to be pushed into it. And when you uh, delight in something, that does, it tells you something about uh, the person. What you delight in reveals something about you. And, and in tonight's passage, we actually see uh, a little bit of Paul's heart and what he finds joy in. We see Paul's uh, heart here in this passage, and, and he, we, we get a glimpse of where Paul derives his joy from. Did you guys catch how much joy was mentioned in this passage? Uh, several, several spots in verse 18, he says, in that I rejoice. He says, rejoice twice there. Um, then he says, joy in verse 25. And so we're, we're getting a glimpse of what Paul delights in in this passage. And um, the main theme for this passage, what I want you to take away as you are um, going home this week and as you're thinking about Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 26, as I know you all do uh, in your spare moments, you sit and think about the passages that we talk about at youth group, don't you? That's what I thought. Um, (laughs) And so here's what I want you guys to be thinking about. Uh, is this, if Christ is the joy of your life, then you can, can experience joy in all circumstances. If Christ is the joy of your life, then you can experience joy in all circumstances. Now, I highlight the word can there because I don't want to say you will experience joy in all circumstances or I will experience joy in all circumstances because I'm a sinner and you are a sinner as well. And so we often, as sinners, try to seek joy in places where joy is not to be sought after. And so to remind you guys of what Paul is, is doing here, in the first 11 verses, uh, Paul kind of gives his introduction, and then he, he uh, commends the Philippians. He says, God has been doing uh, a work in you. And uh, then he prays towards the, the verses 9 through 11, he prays that God would continue to do even more work in them. And so... Uh, in this next section, verses 12 through uh, kind of through the, uh, the end of the chapter here, um, it's a little bit of a missionary update. So Paul was on a missionary journey when he was arrested. He is now in prison, as we read in this passage. When he wrote this, he was in prison. And so if you can imagine, imagine that you're a leader in a church and you uh, meet this missionary and you send him out and then uh, you find out, oh, the missionary that we sent out, they're in jail. That would be kind of a bummer. You're like this person that's supposed to be go out preaching the gospel. You've, you've uh, sent uh, money uh, in order to support them. And then this effort that they're about to embark on uh, has kind of been uh, seemingly sidetracked seemingly sidetracked by the fact that your missionary is now in prison. And so Paul, wanting the, uh, the Philippians to know that their missionary effort, that their uh, support for his missionary effort has not been in vain, is actually writing to these guys and he's letting them know, hey, your, your money, the th- your investment 
It's not in vain. The gospel is still advancing. And so Paul, in verses 12 through 26 that we're focusing on, is, is trying to just kind of give these, uh, these Christians that he's writing to in the city of Philippi, trying to give them an update on his situation. And so of this passage, we're going to ask two questions, okay? The first question is this. What does it mean or what does it look like for Christ to be the joy of our lives? What does it look like or, or um, what does it mean for Christ to be the joy of our lives? Second question we're going to answer is this. Uh, are there any situations or circumstances in this life that can steal our joy? Are there any situations or circumstances that can steal our joy? And so here's how we're going to do this. We're going to answer the second question first, because that makes sense. And then we're going to answer the first question second, because that makes sense. Yeah. Okay? So let's, ta- let's, talk about that, uh, let's talk about that second question. Are there circumstances or obstacles to joy? And we're going we're gonna to view this through Paul's, the lens of, of Paul here, okay? So there's three obstacles, potential obstacles to joy, that come up in this passage, okay? Difficult circumstances, number one. Selfish people, number two. And number three, death. Sounds like a pretty big obstacle to joy, doesn't it? Death, uh, <laughs> right? Um, so Paul uh, brings up each of these three uh, obstacles, and, he, and so we're going to see whether or not uh, these obstacles can stop Paul's joy, okay? And then the last one is we're going to talk about one pathway to real joy, so let's talk about the three obstacles first. Look at verse 13 with me for a minute. Um, well, actually, let's back up to verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened that is going to prison for preaching Jesus. Paul's not a common criminal, in case you were wondering. Paul uh, was preaching the gospel, and he was arrested for preaching the gospel, and he is now in prison awaiting uh, a hearing in the presence of Caesar, Okay. So um, Paul is, uh, he's in prison right now, so difficult circumstances. What does he say in verse 13? He says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So pause here. What he says, he says that, he, okay, guys, what I want you to know is that this situation where I'm in prison, it might look like a bad situation, but it's actually turned out to advance the gospel because all of the prison guards that Paul has come into contact with and all the ones that they have come into contact with know that Paul is in prison because of Christ, because of preaching Christ. And so even in prison, Paul is sharing Jesus with people. His missionary effort continues as a prison ministry. Okay, so his missionary effort is continuing even in the midst of being imprisoned. Okay, but not only that, if you look at verse 14, he says, and in addition to my prison ministry, now there's a bunch of other brothers who have seen my example of being persecuted for Christ, being willing to go to prison for preaching Christ. They've seen that example, and now they are rising up and boldly preaching Christ while he's in prison because they've seen his good example. 
Okay, so think about the situation. Imagine yourself, you are just trying to be a faithful Christian. You're just trying to share Jesus with people. And then the governing officials are like, all right, Faith, you can't talk about Jesus. We're going to stick you in jail. Okay, in that moment, would you not be tempted to feel very sad or worried or scared or joyless in that moment? And yet, what is Paul's response he, he isn't, uh, he's not sad. He's not, his joy hasn't been stripped from him. He's actually rejoicing in the fact that Christ is continuing to be preached in the prison and outside the prison by other fellow preachers. I think about this. When, imagine that you're a little kid and uh, they've said, um, Micah, you've been especially naughty this week, so we are going to ground you, and you can't eat vegetables for a whole week. Oh. Now, as a little kid, you're, like, your joy is not I in... I <laughs> Your joy, most likely, is not in vegetables. And <laughs> just let me, let, me, let me do this, okay? <laughs> so most likely, unless you're all vegetable lovers. I hated vegetables as a kid. Uh, But uh, your joy is not in your ability to eat vegetables, but rather your joy is in eating uh, cocoa puffs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right? Somebody? Anybody? No? Oh, Oh, man. Okay, there we go. Good. Um, And so when when your mom and dad, Micah, hypothetically come to you and say you can't have vegetables anymore, you would would be fine because you're like, that's okay. My joy is not in broccoli. My joy, my, jo- <laughs> my joy, is in, <laughs> my joy is in cocoa puffs, okay? And in a similar way, Paul's joy is not in his ability to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants, but rather his joy is that the gospel goes forth. It didn't matter that uh, he was in prison, didn't matter that he was in uh, probably some of the most difficult circumstances that we can imagine or that we could face other than death, which even that we'll deal with here in a few minutes. Um, but it didn't, these things didn't matter to him because Paul's joy was in Jesus. Paul's joy was in Christ and his name being proclaimed throughout all of the imperial guard and all around the world. Paul found joy in Jesus and in the fact that Paul was exactly where Jesus wanted him to be because Jesus wanted those imperial guards to hear the gospel. So my question for us is, as you are looking at the circumstances of your life and when things don't go your way, do you find yourself losing your joy really quickly? If that is the case, I'm going to tell you in this moment, that is the amazing grace of God to bring about those circumstances. Because what is he, he is revealing in those moments is that your joy is in the wrong thing. When you lose your joy because of a difficult circumstance that arises, what God is revealing is that you have found your joy in something other than himself. And so when plans fail, when people leave and hurt you, 
and your hope is in Christ, the one who never, will never leave you, never forsake you, never let you down, you can have joy in the darkest moments of your life because you have Christ, and Christ cannot be taken from you. So we see that difficult circumstances can't stop Paul's joy. But let's talk a little bit about uh, another obstacle that every single one of us has faced, selfish people, right? Everybody has encountered a selfish person. You want to know how I know that? You looked in a mirror today. We have all encountered selfish people, and we are among them. But if you look at verse 15, it says this. It says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, and the former proclaim, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Okay, pause. So Paul says, all right, there's two groups of people, two groups of preachers. One is the, is the, um, the uh, honest group that, that is preaching Christ because they, uh, because they love Jesus and they genuinely want to preach the gospel. But there is another group of preachers that uh, is taking advantage of the situation. Paul is now in prison, and these guys are like, oh, well, now that Paul's out of the way, we can be large and in charge. We can be the popular preacher. And so there is this, uh, pop, uh, this preacher popularity contest, if you will, uh, that is going on here. And these, uh, these uh, preachers, they're not sharing Jesus because uh, they love people and they want people to know, love, and follow Jesus. They are doing it because of selfish ambition. In other words, they're doing it to make themselves look good, to build themselves up. Okay? And so, Paul, you would think that there would be a temptation when you're in the midst of that situation to worry, oh, my goodness, all these other people are rising up and preaching the gospel. What if everyone forgets about me here in prison, like Joseph got forgotten for a couple of years? I don't know if you guys remember that in the story of Joseph. But there would be a temptation to lose your joy in that moment and to, to fall into a pit of despair, a pit of worry that your name will be forgotten. I think about, there's a song that came out a few years ago um, that plays on the radio every once in a while. Um, it's a little cheesy, but I kind of like it. Um, so uh, the lyrics go like this. says, uh, I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous in my father's eyes. I'm not living for applause. I'm already so adored. And then it goes, he, uh, it, it, yeah, could have. Um, but then it goes on and says, he knows my name. And I feel like this song kind of exemplifies Paul's heart here as he's, as he's languishing in prison and all of these rivals are, are coming up and they're, they're trying to make him feel bad, adding insult to injury on top of him already being in prison. And Paul, he could feel tempted to despair, 
This could be a moment for his joy to be gone. But what does verse 18 say? He says this. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. That's amazing. So Paul's response to these other people trying to make him feel bad in those moments, these selfish preachers who have bad motives, Paul says, you know what? It doesn't bother me because Jesus is being proclaimed. His desire was so much so that the name of Christ would be uh, spoken that it didn't matter if you had people who were, in his mind, it didn't matter to him that you had people who were preaching with bad motives because Christ was still being preached. My question for us is, as as we're thinking about this, can we honestly say that it is the ambition of our lives? Can you say that it is the ambition of your life for Jesus to get more attention than you do? For Jesus to be the focus. And if you're honest with yourself, sometimes the answer is no. We like attention. We want people to look at us. We want people to think that we are something. And what Paul shows us here is he says, doesn't, he doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't care that he's losing the preacher popularity contest. All that he cares about is that Jesus is being proclaimed, and that brings him joy. There's a guy uh, named Nicholas Zinzendorf, and he was giving a quote, or he was giving a, a, a talk to a group of missionaries, and he said this. He said that the, uh, the missionary or the Christian must be content to do three things. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. That is the aspiration of every Christian, to share Christ die and that the name of Christ would be the, what, it, what remains. That Christ would be our legacy. And if you feel convicted in this moment and you recognize that you often want attention for yourself, this is the grace of God revealing to you that you are finding your joy in what people think of you rather than finding your joy in Christ. So not only is there the obstacle of difficult circumstances, the obstacle of selfish people, but here's the big one, the obstacle of death. Can death stop joy. Let's find out. Look at verse 20. He says this, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 23, 
He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Okay, so here's, here's Paul's answer to the question, can death stop joy? No. <laughs> uh, and if you think about that, that is so contrary to everything that is within us and, every, and contrary to uh, even what our culture says, because our culture is a culture of what's called secular humanism, which basically believe, they believe that there's nothing after you die um, and it's just uh, you cease to exist. In fact, Richard Dawkins, who is a, a very prominent atheist, said this. He said, death shouldn't be feared because death is, is just like existence before you were born. In other words, it doesn't matter because all you do is cease to exist and you won't, it, you won't even know it. What Richard Dawkins doesn't know that if he doesn't repent, the moment he dies, he will stand in the presence of a holy God. And he will spend eternity in hell. But for us who are Christians, (laughs) but for those of us who are Christians, death brings us face to face with ultimate joy. David said this in Psalm 16, He said this, he said, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's Psalm 16, verse 11. And Paul exemplifies that attitude here. For Paul, not even death could bring an end to his joy, because death brought him to the one who was the source of his joy, namely Jesus You see, if you consider the situation, Paul is in a prison cell, and there's two options here. If you look at verse uh, 20, whether by life or by death. So there's two options here. Paul could be released, and he believed that he would. We see that a few minutes or a few verses later. But there's the other alternative is that when he has his hearing, it could go really badly, and he could be put to death. And spoiler alert, he was put to death later on. He had his head cut off for preaching the gospel. And yet, Paul, when face to face with death, says this, my desire is that Jesus would be honored whether I live or I die. And then he says that death for him is actually gain because he gets Christ. So for the Christian, death is not something to be feared. Death is a doorway into the presence of Jesus, the one who made you and loves you more than you can possibly imagine, and in whose presence there is fullness of joy. There's a movie that I've been telling some of the boys that they need to watch uh, but I haven't taken the time to actually watch it with them yet, Gladiator. And uh, in, the, in the movie, there, I'm, I'm going to spoil... Oh, man, it's a spoiler oh, alert. So Sorry, guys. Spoiler. It's all right. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Uh, let me think if there's another illustration. Chris, you can do it. Oh, man, on the fly, okay. Um, I already watched it. You already watched it? Yeah. I haven't seen it So it won't be spoilers for me. Okay, okay. All right, I won't, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. Um, 
Could you just make it really, really vague? Okay, let's... Mm, okay. No, I can't. Man, you guys are making it really hard on me right now. Uh, okay, uh, all right, I won't spoil it, but let, let me just say this, that it, there's a scene in the movie that does exemplify what I'm talking here. Um, <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh, I'll just say that. But, but no. Um, yes. But for, um, for our all intents and purposes here, um, death for the Christian is not an obstacle to joy because we don't find our joy in this mortal life. We don't find our joy in wealth, health, and prosperity, but our joy waits for us in heaven, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> uh, and s- similarly, Paul, he has this same attitude. He, s- he's, he recognizes, he says that it's actually far better for him to depart out of this life and arrive in the arms of Jesus because that is the greatest joy and pleasure. And you see, there's a, a million things in this world that we can find joy in, that we can uh, try and seek joy in. But I'm going to tell you something, that uh, the smartest thing that you will ever do is to try and make Jesus the joy of your life. Because if you put your joy in anything else, that thing will die. If you put your joy in a person, guess what? 10 out of 10 people die. Fun fact. Not so fun. But it's fun if you're a Christian. Um, If you put your joy in a person, people die. If you put your joy in a relationship, people hurt you, they leave you, all these different things. If you put your joy in wealth, you can go broke. Money money comes and goes, right? Uh, Any adult in the room can tell you money is just in and out, in and out, in and out all the time. If you put your joy in... uh, you know, a house. What happens if you lose the house? What happens if the house burns down? If you put your joy in a car, what happens? Uh, I, put my, I had a lot of joy in my truck and it uh, broke down, stopped working, okay? If you put your joy in anything other than Jesus, it's stupid because everything will end except for Christ. The only thing that lasts for eternity is Jesus and us, God and his people. And also the people in hell last for eternity, but they in hell. In, are in hell, away from God and under the wrath of God. And so we must not look at death as though it's something that should cause fear, but rather we see death as a departure from this life and an arrival in the very presence of Jesus. And so... As you're thinking about this, would you say that you have the same attitude as Paul? That death is not something you fear, but rather it's something that you, I won't say welcome, but you're not afraid of it because you recognize that when you die, you'll be in the presence of Christ. And if you don't know that, perhaps it's time to get right with the Lord. Perhaps it's time to give your life to Jesus.
So last thing here. So we said three obstacles and one pathway to joy, to real joy. And this is, this is the pathway, okay? The pathway is actually a person, and his name is Jesus. And so here's what I want you guys to, what I want to leave you guys with. Look at verse 21. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, that's one of the most popular verses in the Bible. But what what Paul is saying there is he's saying, Jesus is my everything. So whether I live or I die doesn't really matter because if I live on, I'm going to live for Jesus. It means fruitful labor, it says in verse uh, 22. Right, And then he actually believed that he would live on. But what's even more interesting is he says that when I do live on, I'm going to continue living for Jesus. And part of that living for Jesus is so that they would grow in their faith and that their joy in Christ would increase. So Paul's all about finding your joy in Christ and nowhere else. He lives it, and then his desire is that these people would would live that and experience that joy in Jesus. And by extension, I, I don't think it's a, a stretch to say that his desire is that you guys would find your joy in Christ. Flip over to chapter 3, verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8 kind of summarizes uh, what Paul is uh, what he feels, summarizes his joy in Christ. And he says this, look at verse seven, sorry. But whatever gain I had, in other words, whatever uh, possessions or, or, you know, um, or status I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, it was nothing compared to Jesus. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or garbage in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. So Paul says, everything is garbage in comparison to Christ. He desires to know Jesus, and he finds that of surpassing worth. And that's because Jesus is his everything, and that's my encouragement to you. Make Jesus your everything. So I have a a final question for you before we close up, but uh, what do you turn to for happiness? In those moments when you feel sad or down, where do you turn? You flip on the TV and try and forget your troubles? Do you go and talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend or the person you like and try and get them to make you feel better? Or do you turn to Christ? You turn to him and you, you say, Jesus, be my joy. Do you look to him, to the one 
who loves you more than you can possibly imagine and find your joy in that relationship. And if your immediate answer isn't, I find joy in Jesus, there's work that needs to be done. And there's work that needs to be done in me because my immediate answer is not Jesus. We are all in, a, in the category of people who don't yet fully delight in Jesus the way that he deserves to be delighted in. God hasn't finished with us yet. And so it is my prayer that our group would be the kind of group that is constantly growing in our rejoicing in Jesus. And I share all of this with you because we live in a difficult world. You're going to have difficult circumstances arise. You're going to encounter selfish people who hurt your feelings or people who have selfish ambitions. And all of us will face death at some point. And so it's my job as uh, your youth director to prepare you for these situations. And the way that I prepare you is by giving you God's word and telling you the truth. So don't try to live your best life now. Recognize that the best life is yet to come and put your hope completely in Jesus. Because it's only when you seek Jesus that you find lasting joy. Let's pray.